0: This is a previously recorded episode. This show is broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming and is part of the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information.
1: Hi, this is Mike Zapsick from AMC's Comic Book Men. And this is Ming Chen, also from AMC's Comic Book Men. And you're listening to the Ninja Starship Podcast with Jimmy McKnight. a favorite podcast. To episode 23 of the Ninja Starship Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy McKnight. It is five o'clock, and we are live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming in Ferndale, Michigan. <clears throat> Excuse me. This episode is brought to you by the Falling Down Beer Company in Warren, Michigan at Ten and DeQuinder. Stop in and mention Podcast Detroit. They will hook you up. They are providing us with this delicious golden ale. What is this called? It's a uh, suburban home IPA. Suburban home IPA. Do you hear this? Jean- mm. <laughs> That's just deliciousness. <laughs> uh, this episode is also sponsored by Liberty Comics in Roseville. In my opinion, it is the best comic shop in the metro Detroit area. The, all the latest issues, always in stock, plus a very, very nice indie section. The store is super clean, the staff is very friendly. Mention the Ninja Starship or me, Jimmy McKnight, and get hooked up on your next purchase. My guest this week is a bona fide professor who earned his Ph.D. in American Literature and Film from Michigan State University, promoting his new comic monstrous, Professor Greg Wright. Welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Jimmy. I'm glad to be here. I'm super excited about this, and I'm ready to chat about comics.
1: Awesome, well before we get into comics, it's been a very crazy week and I'd like to kind of start by paying our respects because unfortunately we lost a giant creative force in the music industry, former frontman for Stone Temple Pilots and Velvet Revolver, Mr. Scott Weiland was found unresponsive on his tour bus, so uh, you know, that, that that sucks, we lost uh, a definite creative force in the universe on that one. Were you an STP Definitely. fan? Yes, yeah, yeah, from years back, yeah. I uh I did you ever see him live? No, no. Dude, back in 2000, I was at the uh MTV2 Return of the Rock tour and uh mm-hmm. it was it was STP, Godsmack and Disturbed. I was like 15 years old and STP comes on, he's, he's got, you know, the big pink mohawk and the, the megaphone as he's twirling around, dude. They were they were fucking awesome. This was in uh, Dayton, Ohio at the Hera Arena. But, yeah, man, like, huge musical force lost. What, you know, it sucks, but on a brighter note, not to segue so roughly, but <laughs> on a brighter <laughs> note, uh, we did get the Batman v Superman trailer with a huge reveal of Doomsday. Did you get to check this out?
0: I have not gotten to check that out yet. I've been crazy busy. <laughs> oh man, I'm looking like, forward to it. It's it's really really sweet. I've
1: probably watched it at least 15 times, I'm not even going to lie. But I have to say wow. I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed out that they showed us that Doomsday's, you know, the third villain because now you know exactly how this movie is going to play out. Like, they didn't need to show us that, you know what I mean?
0: Right? Right. Yeah, that is kind of a big 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 reveal.
1: Yeah, it's a huge reveal, you know, and then yeah, it's like, you know, exactly like I say, you know, now, you know, exactly how the movie's going to play out. But it's totally opposite of Star Wars, where that's about to come out and you don't know anything about this movie.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And Doomsday. I mean, if anybody knows anything about Doomsday, it's that he's like the guy who killed Superman. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's kind of like spoiler alert. <laughs> Do you think he's going to take old blue out? You know, I don't know if they're going to do that or they're going to set it up for something else. But, I mean, like I said, that's sort of the big, the big tension is it's like here's, here's a movie that's got a Superman killer, which kind of puts the odds more on Batman side of things, right? But- yes, it does.
1: Well, they already canceled Man of Steel too because uh, in favor of way more Batman. As soon as Affleck was cast, they're like, we're going to do 5,000 Batman movies.
0: Yeah, and, and a lot of fans were not big uh, on the bad Affleck part of it, but I, I don't know. I think he's going to do a good job. I'm pretty excited about it.
1: After seeing this trailer, I'm, I'm set in stone. I think he's going to be fantastic. Now, when I talked to you earlier, you said you didn't really follow the shows, but there was a pretty big uh, happening in the Flash and Arrow side this week uh, with the crossover. Did you catch that? I did not. I did not. Man talk about sexy. That was an amazing two-night event. If you get a chance, get on Hulu and check it out. Vandal Savage got introduced. Uh, you find out Oliver Queen has a son. Barry Allen's been jumping back and forth in time because he's running so fast. I mean, Dude, it's amazing. And what's so awesome about these shows is, you know, th- this is 20 weeks versus a two-hour movie. This is 20 weeks to fall in love with these characters and, and build a, uh, an episode and You know, it it completely consumes you. Really, it does.
0: Well, I love that they've got, you know, like, that they can sort of super nerd out about it, right? I mean, like, if you think, like, 20 years back, they weren't really telling comic book stories. Like, you know, like, The Adventures of uh, Lois and Clark. It's like, this was was a different thing. This, like you're saying, you know, you got crossovers. You got jumping through time. You got stuff uh, that's, like, normally the kind of thing that you only see in the comics. Right. I mean, I thought it was really cool in uh, Days of Future Past, the X-Men movie, yeah. where it's like, okay, this is a comic book story that's in a movie, as opposed to, well, it's an origin story or it's a battle or it's, you know, just like the, the template that they've already had. Here's something where it's like you have to have a greater investment and be paying attention and know who the characters are. You've got to have a history of it. Absolutely. So, that was a fantastic
1: cool. movie, too, man. Days of Future Past. I liked it a lot. I, I did really too, did. man. I can't even. I can't even lie. I loved it. Uh, what else did we get here? Oh, we got the Civil War trailer. Did you check that out?
0: I am so behind on my trailer watching, <laughs> but I, 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 I want to make a quick. Can I make a quick plug though? Yeah, I've yeah. Got a trailer out now. Yeah, yeah. yeah plug I've away. Got, Monstrous has got a trailer. If people can, people can check that out on YouTube, uh, if you look at Monstrous Comics trailer, it's it's just it's a short one. It's like about thirty seconds. And it's really, really awesome. My artist on that is Ken Lamug, and he put together the video. And every time I see this, it gets, it gets chills up and down my spine. I'm, su- I'm super psyched about that. So I guess I've been busy watching trailers, but it's just been the one, and I've watched it like eight million times. That's
1: so. okay. I saw I did. I watched your trailer the other day, too. And uh, the narrative, whoever did that, was very Vincent Price-esque.
0: Yes, yes. Um, oh, I cannot think of the guy's name. It is, uh, it's a voiceover actor that Ken knows. I think he's in the Las Vegas area. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it sets the tone perfectly. Like, uh, it's so, it's, it's, yeah, it's like it's, it just gets me really excited all over the place. And then the, mon- the uh, animation on the ass of the monstrous and the music, it just all comes together just perfectly what I, what I want people to get excited about with this comic.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, before we get too far into your comic, we're going to take a break really quick. And then as soon as we come back, we're going to dive into Monstrous, man, and, and just open this up. Sweet. So, all right, let's do this. Let's take a break. We'll be right back.
0: Hey, this is Jason Fawn from Power Rangers Time Force. And I just want to give a shout out to the Ninja Starship. <laughs> Ow! Wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. <laughs> Coffee in the big thing. <laughs> I am smelling like the roses somebody gave me on my birthday deathbed. I am smelling like the roses. This is a previously recorded episode.
1: Welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to the Ninja Starship. I am your host, Jimmy McKnight, and we are broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming in Ferndale, Michigan, speaking with Professor Greg Wright about his new comic, Monstrous. Let me start by saying how much I absolutely loved this comic. It has grit. It has style. It's a complete old-school feel with a very new touch, man. It's almost like... Like when I read that, I'm like, "This is like John McClane
0: on acid." Oh man, I love that. I want to put that on the cover now. Now that you said that, no problem. John McClane on acid. <laughs> It'd be
1: right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> uh, it's like it's like you're incorporating horror and in science fiction in a way that's very, very exciting and new. While you're still, you know, really paying homage to the source material because this this feels very much like influence from True Grits. Am I
0: correct? Absolutely, you are 100% correct. Yeah, the first issue of Monstrous uh, tells the story, it's called Higher Power, and uh, and and yeah, it's, it's taking, basically the, the setting of the show, or I'm sorry, the setting of the comic is all in Frankenstein's Europe, so you got steam-powered robots and monsters, and like you're saying, it's very Wild West, except instead of cowboys and Indians, it's monsters versus robots. And the first one's plot is taken from True Grit. A little girl hires a six-foot-tall rabbit monster to track down her father's killer, and all four of them have plots taken from old John Wayne movies. So the first one's True Grit, then you get Big Jake, then three Godfathers, and then finally wrap it all up with Rio Bravo, one of my favorites.
1: I love how you incorporated the snake, too, because in True Grit, how the girl gets bit and ends up losing her arm... In this story, yep. you know, the, the the snake's the bad guy, but it's, I don't want to give the ending away. It, it's just super cool how you incorporated that factor into the actual series. And the other thing that I'm really a big fan of is that you went old school again, and you incorporated the Universal Classic monsters. You have Frankenstein involved in this. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's super refreshing because... In a world where zombies are king and the dominant thing, you know, it's nice to have something that actually reaches back. It almost makes the old thing fresh again.
0: Yeah, that's what we're going for, to have, you know, some new stuff, like you're saying, like the rabbit monster doesn't really isn't in the universal stuff. But yeah, in other ones we've got Dracula, we've got Igor, we've got Dr. Frankenstein, we've got the Wolfman. Everybody gets their turn in terms of like the classic universal stuff. And there's kind of some influence from the Hammer movies as well. Uh, if you're, you know, if you like more of the British horror stuff, but yeah, yeah what are the Hammer feel movies? Of really gothic. What, what the Hammer? They, the Hammer yeah. Studios ones? Uh, yeah, those are from the UK. Uh, like they had Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee as like Van Helsing and Dracula, nice. or as uh, Doctor Frankenstein and his monster. So yeah, those guys uh, all come from that, and those now they're pretty well known, like from being in the Star Wars movies. Uh, that's where they got their start—is being really big in these old gothic, uh, chiller kinds of movies. And lots Lee, of fun though. too. They're funny and goofy and everything.
1: Hell yeah, man! Christopher Lee—he—he he was just a force to be reckoned with, though. Man, that what that guy like knew like nine languages or something, and uh, he was mastered in all kinds of things. Super talented.
0: Oh yeah, he was—he was a—he was, was a genius, and uh, you know, just yeah, like you're saying, just. Master of all, all trades. Most people uh, don't have that kind of ability in one area, let alone in so many of them.
1: So, what kind of drew you to, to uh, you know incorporating Frankenstein in, into the story? What 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 made you think that I, I want to put Universal Monsters into this, or, or Frankenstein at least?
0: Yeah, well, uh, I've been a fan of monster comics, uh, and I really like the Hellboy comics, for instance, and like BPRD where they've got these monsters, but they're part of this bigger, larger world. Plus, I'm a big fan of the old Marvel Comics ones where they've got Tomb of Dracula and the Monster of Frankenstein, and being able to take these characters and make them into a new thing. Plus, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to have this be like cops and robbers, where you know it's not just monsters hanging out there or monster hunters, but you get to see a little bit of the story from both sides. So in some ways, it's kind of like The Wire, where you get to see, oh, here's the good guys doing their thing, here's the bad guys doing their thing, and you kind of relate to both of them. The good guys aren't all that bad, and the bad guys, I'm sorry, the bad guys aren't all that bad, and the good guys aren't all that good. Instead, like the title, everybody is a little bit monstrous.
1: Excellent. Yeah, those old school uh, Marvel monster series, man, that was just masterful in itself, because they had no blood in it. I mean, you had a Dracula story with no blood in it. It's really just him sitting there, you know, drinking, contemplating if he's evil or not. You know, I, I mean, yeah. the way they did that, that, I mean, that was straight psychological horror. You didn't need the gore. You didn't need all, and it perfectly worked around the comic code, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, plus they get Blade coming out, and, like, what a what an amazing character. I love Blade, where here's this, this Monster Hunter character out to get Dracula, and there's things that happen. I mean, it's not just, like, oh, they, you know, they go back and forth, but it's like, you know, they'll score victories and chase each other around, and and I, I love that feel of, you know, there's real urgency and real stakes to it because, you know, Dracula's killing people left and right, and, you know, Blade's trying to stop him. I, I love those old comics. They're so much fun.
1: Which one of the movies did you like best uh, for Blade?
0: You know, I'm, I'm going to say the second one, although the opening of the first one is really, really, really great. Oh, the I blood mean, rave scene. Yeah. Yeah, there's so there's so they're, he like goes into this club and he's just blowing everything up and uh, <laughs> you know, plus it's it's got that line. I mean, I I can I could swear and everything, right? Yeah, yeah, so, go I mean, right yeah, ahead. Everyone, right. Yeah, I would, I I'm not going to swear a fuck ton, but I'll swear a little bit. <laughs> That's so, okay. It's got that great line where that blade says at the end of it where he's like, you know, certain motherfuckers are going to try to ice skate uphill. Always try to ice skate uphill. I'm like, what a, that's such a bizarre line, but it works there. And, and well, at least I just totally deadpans it. And you're like, okay. That series right, was that's, full that's of superhero. <laughs> that
1: series was full of awesome one-liners. Like, I, me and my buddy forever, once we saw uh, with Deacon Frost, he's like, Frost! And they're screaming. <laughs> we used to do that shit all the time. We'd be partying and getting oh, yeah. drunk and just yell across the house frost
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah plus yeah, uh, there's, again you can you could just anytime just throw it out at a party right bar mitzvah whatever you yeah can whatever get laid and it worked.
1: that that's how you call to your people <laughs> just scream frost in the air if you get a response that guy he's with me <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: yeah yeah send him over send him over buy him a drink right
1: <laughs> well let's get into the story that's a little awesome. bit of higher power um to kind of, let, let's, let's set the world for everybody, and I'll, I'll let you go ahead and do that.
0: Okay. So, we have a couple pages right at the beginning of the comic that are telling you a little bit about this idea. Dr. Frankenstein made his monster, which everybody knows about, but then he lost control of the monster. The monster goes out and he makes more monsters. So, in an effort to try to stop that, Dr. Frankenstein says, well, I'm going to build something I can control a little better. So, he builds Steam powered robots. So you kind of get this steampunk vibe. And the robots, a lot of them look like TikTok from the Oz books. Yeah. And it's kind of cool because he's got this robot army, and Frankenstein's monster has his monster army. Plus, other monsters are just sort of cre- uh, cropping up freelance and things like that. Some are being discovered, some are being unleashed. And so it's this whole sort of setting where you've got monsters of different kinds. You've got humans, and robots, and monsters who are trying to work for good. And it's really kind of this whole setting where everything is up in the air. Every, the, the whole order is upended. And you've got Dr. Frankenstein and Frankenstein's monster in the story, but they're not the main characters. The main characters are just like the everyday people who are living in this landscape. And the cool thing about that is each of the stories tells its own one-shot story. So people don't have to read 18 issues to get the story. It's one and done for all four of them that are coming out. And I like that a lot because I don't want to have to read 18 issues to figure out who's who and what's going on and what all the stakes are. I'm really much more sort of about urgency. I want to get the story, get into the story, get out of the story, have some fun, get to know the characters, but we don't have to worry about them for too long. Plus, that ups the stakes of you never know who's going to survive at the end.
1: So is Frankenstein building more monsters because he's... Lonely and wants more like him or is it strictly a revenge thing towards dr. Frankenstein what what's the what's the motive there to to keep creating more monsters?
0: well his motive is similar to dr. Frankenstein's in that he wants to he wants to learn more he wants to figure it out he wants this is forbidden knowledge and he wants to get in on it but yes there is that whole idea of the creation wanting to destroy his creator that doesn't go away so there's still you know the monsters are still sort of out to destroy the idea, uh, the pre-existing idea of law and order that doesn't allow them to join the rest of society. They're, they're outcasts and refugees and criminals. So while they try, might try to enter into society, they don't really have much luck with that. So instead, it makes sense that they're kind of this immigrant or refugee population. that They turn to crime because they don't have any legitimate way of uh, joining the economy or the society as it exists.
1: And Frankenstein is building the steam-powered robots because they're robots. They take orders. They listen. They're not monsters with, for, I guess, lack of a better expression, free will.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they could be kind of programmed in. Uh, but, the, but even the series troubles that a little bit because in the second story, Frankenstein takes a man's brain, a, a dying man takes his brain, puts it into a robot body. So you have a brain in the jar powering this robot suit. And then it doesn't do everything that he wants it to do. And then in the in the fourth one, there's uh, a sheriff who has his arm blown off, so he gets it replaced with a robotic cannon. And that, too, is like, okay, so pretty soon the idea of the robot's kind of infecting people as well, which makes it harder for him to control them. Uh, but the, the cool thing about the second one is that while this brain is powering this robot suit, Igor is there to provide tech support, (laughs) and he does so literally, literally riding shotguns. So you've got Igor running around with a shotgun, trying to fix this this robot that's powered by a brain in a jar. And honestly, if that doesn't touch somebody's nerd heart, I don't know what will. The idea of Igor running around with a shotgun and giant robots clanking around with brains in jars just a a punch right in the feels my soul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's It's gotta. You know, if 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 you like that, you're definitely in my demographic, and I think you're going to love these comics.
1: Well, let's let's change focus now to to the actual characters in this book. You have a little girl who's searching for her father's killer in a land of monsters and robots. So I I, I could just imagine the psychological trauma that's already causing just in itself, and and the stress level. Right. <laughs> then she. It ends up, she talks to Doctor Frankenstein, who she, it shows her giving her or uh, her giving him money, but it doesn't show him taking the money or if he accepts the job. But the next scene, she ends up hooking up or she ends up uh, teaming up with this like outlaw rabbit monster, John Wayne type, and yeah, hires him yeah. to to kind of fi- uh, uh, find the uh, father's killer. And he's kind of a dick to her in the beginning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because he doesn't, he doesn't really want to. He's, he's, like, he's reluctant because part of the reason he's a criminal is he's been framed. So uh, he, in some ways, is like not the killer that she's looking for. In some ways, she's tougher than him. Like you're saying, she's venturing out alone as a little girl into this landscape where there's killers around every corner, and she is going to find her own way and try to avenge her father's death. And that takes a lot of brass. And so she's not your typical little girl character. Uh, instead, she's, you know, much more proactive. And like you're saying, I'm, the model of the character is Hattie from True Grit and trying to make this character something where, you know, she's she's sassy. She's, you know, she's good at fight, right? She's actually see her punching monsters and mm-hmm. shooting bad guys and stuff like that. Oh, she's a little uh, badass for sure. Oh, yeah. And it's a departure, I think, from the way that we normally think of characters where a lot of times, oh, a little girl, she's going to need to be rescued. And sometimes she comes to the rabbit monster's rescue and sometimes he comes to her rescue Uh, and kind of both of them don't get out of the story unscathed. Both of them wind up a little bit uh, worse for wear in terms of how they learn things and how they change and what they kind of learn about themselves and the price of revenge. Well, plus, when she meets this guy,
1: the stakes automatically go up, because not only is he an outlaw from the actual law, but there's another outlaw gang who's also after him for money, so he's kind of like the Han Solo character. He's got he's got it out, people got it out for him on both sides.
0: Exactly, right. So, yeah, the robot police force is after him, but uh, the gang that framed him is out to kill him, too. So, he, they wind up in the battlefield where the they're fighting monsters and they're fighting robots, and... The robots, of course, assume, oh, he's got reinforcements. And the monsters quickly assume, okay, he's you know, being chased by these robots. We can get him. And uh, it becomes this very big sort of epic battle uh, with one of my favorite panels where uh, the rabbit monster is punching this giant lamprey-looking worm snake monster thing right in the face. <laughs> yeah. And that's right where the book opens. So I always show that to people. I'm like, look at this. He's punching this thing in the face. Little girl's punching this gargoyle. Uh, it's so much fun. It's just crazy action and a real roller coaster, I think.
1: It's got fantastic art and the coloring. Oh my God. The coloring is what really sets this, you know, the, the whole tone of the world. Uh, you said you uh, worked with Ken Lemoog on this?
0: Yes, yeah. He's the artist and he is just a one stop shopping machine when it comes to composition. He does the pencils, the inks, the colors, the letters, the whole thing. And it really has, like you're saying, this very organic feel where everything is very well integrated. So it's a dark world, but the colors are, they, they sing all the more because they're this muted kind of vibe. Uh, it's kind of Tim Burton-esque. It's, you know, that, so like sometimes the colors are almost candy colored, but they're so dark in this world. And it's just very rich. I I love it, and I love spending time there. Plus, he adds all these really great flourishes and these very expressionistic panels where there'll be a a crow or a tombstone or an old ruined statue that he'll just throw in there just because. And I'm like, oh, that makes it so much more perfect. Uh, Again, looking at uh, the influences of, like, Guy Davis and Mike McNola and things like that.
1: How did you end up connecting with him?
0: This is kind of odd. I connected with him via Twitter. Ken and I have never actually met. He lives in Las Vegas, and I live in mid-Michigan. You
1: got a long-distance relationship.
0: To yeah, yeah, we got a long-distance <laughs> long relationship, and uh, you know, so we've talked a lot on the phone. We've interacted by email a lot, and I'm sure that at one point he's going to come to Michigan, or I'm going to go out to Nevada, and we'll connect up at some point. But uh, for now, you know, it is like you're saying this—it's—it's it's this person that I've never actually met, but I feel very much like I know him for uh, the two of us having collaborated and talked so much and. Uh, b- brought this comic together. It's really exciting.
1: So I, I don't want to talk too much about higher power and give too much of it away, even though it's excellent. Everybody needs to go pick this up because it's so excellent. But this is a one of four-part series of, of different stories. So let's get into issue two, the steam-powered Adventure, because I, 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 I haven't read it, so I'm going to be completely surprised on everything that you tell me. So let, let, me, uh, let me into to what the world is in this one.
0: Oh, I, so I could, tol- I could totally mess with you and, and be like, well, there's these candy-colored ballerinas, or I don't know. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm in. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, uh, so what the, the, like I said, the steam-powered Avenger is you've got one of the Franken-Squad police officers, a regular human, and he killed the brother of one of these monster criminals. The, the criminal comes for revenge, shoots him, shoots everybody in his family, He's lying there dying, and he sees his daughter being snatched away, and he thinks, oh, no, and, and, and everything goes to black. Then Dr. Frankenstein brings him back. His brain is in the jar, and he's powering up in this giant robot suit. But he realizes, okay, if there's any reason for me to be brought back, I've got to have vengeance. They've lo- I've lost my whole family here. So he's going to hunt down the monster that did it to him, and he grabs Igor, smashes through the wall, and says, You know, you're going to help me find him. Igor is a comic relief here. So he's like, I understand revenge, but Igor really likes quests for naps and cake instead. And uh, so the two of them head out into the landscape, go to the tavern, uh, and then try to off the monster that basically ruined his life and tried to kill him. But when they're there, he realizes this very big thing, this very, very big revelation. His daughter survived. She dyed her hair. She's gotten close to the monster, and he's about to blow her revenge uh, because she's going to try to kill the monster as well. So uh, the plans go awry. She winds up separated from him again, and the resolution is taking place in an old ruined church where he's going to face off against this monster, both of them believing themselves unkillable, him because he's in this indestructible robot suit, the monster because the monster says, well, like Frankenstein's monster, I can just always be put back together again. So they're trying to figure out how can they get any sort of end game with this.
1: So even Ooh, though these are even though these are separate stories, you you still have crossover characters. Like Frankenstein is a prevalent character. The the captain is a prevalent character.
0: Yeah, yeah. You see, you see, you see characters in the different stories, uh, but the main characters are always different. So yeah, there's crossover stuff. Uh, you know, vampires are going to show up in, in multiple ones. And the idea of the Franken Squad, right? The, the Frankenstein's basic, basically police force Mm -hmm. that goes around hunting monsters and jailing criminals. Those guys are in there all the time. And Dr. Frankenstein's their boss. And Frankenstein's monster is sort of like this under, underworld figure. He's kind of almost like the kingpin in some ways. He gets things done and, uh, you know, he makes new experiments and helps out monsters who need help. Uh, sort of like the Underground Railroad, uh, you know, helping monsters out in their own sort of secret way.
1: So this is kind of like a steampunk version of S.H.I.E.L.D. in Bavaria.
0: Yes, exactly. I like that analogy, <laughs> too. I, you, you've got all these great poke quotes for me, Jimmy. This is great. Hey, man, it just uh, off um, the cuff. So yeah.
1: Off the cuff, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's, this, it's this police force, and the, the the characters, both good and bad, are kind of in that superhero mold of they've got these... Different kinds of power sets, and they're all trying to have their own uh, different ways of succeeding, or their own codes of honor and things like that. And uh, it, yeah, it it's almost sort of like uh, also like Judge Dread, if you're familiar with that. Huge where, fan, huge you know, got, fan of Dread. Yeah, yeah, it's it's that same kind of a vibe where you've got this whole uh, you know, there's a whole police force, and they're all having their own stories and adventures, and plus you've got these really colorful. Criminal characters, some of whom crop up again, some of whom just get blown away, and uh, their stories end there. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's really exciting all the different possibilities that we can do with this, all the stories we can tell.
1: Hell yeah! I'm even a fan of like the the Stallone dread, you know, the I am the law
0: You know, I, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but yeah, I love it too because you know you get the Angel uh, gang in that and everything. Yep. Herschel um, before and, he was Herschel yeah, yeah yeah no you get so much cool stuff going on in there and I'm even as I in other contexts I pretty much hate Rob Schneider but <laughs> he works there as the comic relief of this weaselly little scumbag kind of a guy yeah, cursed uh, earth of pizza pathetic criminal <laughs> Awesome. No, it's so it's it is fun, and I like the I like the the movie Dread too. I think that one's another. Oh, one the new yeah with
1: Carl I, Urban I that, that was so good, man, so good. I, and and the, and their budgeting got pulled for the second, which sucks because it was such a good movie. It had so much potential.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, again, it's one of those movies <laughs> that doesn't do what a lot of movies do, and like we don't see Carl Urban's face. And but I'm like, that's perfect because you shouldn't. Yeah, you don't Dread, need to right? like ever. You don't need to. Just him frowning and he's mad and he's blowing stuff up and <laughs> killing people. Uh yeah, I love I love, love, love I love those movies. I love the comics. And yeah, I'm pulling I'm pulling from them whenever I can, right? I, I steal shamelessly from everything. <laughs> right on. Uh, well, we're gonna take
1: another break, uh, real quick. I'm gonna fill my my cup up with this gold uh golden delicious. What is this? Suburban Home IPA by Falling Down Suburban Beer Company. Suburban Home IPA by Falling Down Beer Company. More with Greg Wright when we come back on the Ninja Starship on Podcast Detroit. Hey, this is Eugene Clark from George Romero's Land of the Dead, and you're listening to the Ninja Starship Podcast. This town needs an enema. <laughs>
0: This is a previously recorded episode.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to the Ninja Starship. We are live in Detroit Sound Studios above Activate Gaming in Ferndale, Michigan. We are speaking with the creator of Monstrous, Professor Greg Wright. Let's get a little personal, man. Have you lived in Michigan all your life?
0: Yes, I have. Uh, I did like a study abroad in London uh, during my undergraduate, but otherwise... I mean, I've visited a lot of places, I've traveled a lot, but I've always lived as my permanent residence here in Michigan, yes.
1: When did you uh, begin your degree at Michigan State?
0: Oh, that's going to be a, it's a long time. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> a yeah, long started, time ago in a galaxy far, far away.
0: <laughs> that, that, I, I think anybody who gets an advanced degree certainly feels like, yeah, that was that was a, a one of the horrible prequel movies, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, That's pretty much the graduate experience. Yeah, I I started my graduate degree in 2000, and then I wrapped it up in 2007. So, you know, it's like a seven-year process for me to get my Ph.D. I know some people do it faster, but nobody does it better than me.
1: (laughs) What was your driving force to go all the way to Ph.D.? I mean, you, you basically hit the master class of degrees.
0: Yeah, I wanted to teach at a college or a university, my goal was I wanted to learn all that I could about movies, about books. Uh, these are things that really excite me a lot. And my dissertation was about adaptation. So I was like, I want something that could combine books and movies. So uh, in there I'm writing a lot about ways in which you know, books get adapted into movies and vice versa and trying to think about how, how those kinds of things operate. And what's cool is that now I'm writing scripts for comics where I'm adapting stuff from other media and that, to me, is that's really cool, and that's exciting.
1: What are some of the films that you had to watch when you were uh, when you were getting your degree?
0: Uh, well, you know, uh, one of some of the ones one of the ones I focused on, given that I was talking about adaptation, is the movie adaptation. I have a whole chapter about that, uh, talking about how that works, and um, some of the other ones, like I talked about the the Ring movies, the Japanese, uh, they're in they're called Ringu. Uh, in Japan, but like if yes. you're familiar with with the movie The Ring, where yes. like you know the horror movie, uh, and how that transfers over from uh, like these, this Japanese film series to a Korean film to the American films, and then also how the marketing itself sort of literalizes the same thing that they're talking about in these movies, where it's like here's this the scary transference of this virus essentially. And then it's kind of ironic that they're using viral marketing to promote it where people have to pass on the message themselves. So wow. it's kind of a little creepy and it's also kind of interesting to to talk about, I think anyway. So
1: you would consider yourself sort of a film junkie then?
0: Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. I I love movies, I love watching movies. Uh it seems like I'm busier and busier these days with writing, so I get less time to be able to do that. I'm definitely jealous of myself in my 20s when I would say, "Okay, Today's mission, I've got to watch like seven movies. <laughs> now, there's no way I can get away with that.
1: <laughs> Dude, I feel like that's how it is with me now, like especially with doing the show and the and the and the topics that I usually cover. It's I I mean, Monday through Thursday I'm watching stuff and and you know, sometimes you you, you know, you're spending a good 3-4 right. yeah. hours just catching up, watching everything. Like Monday I got Supergirl and Monday Night Raw. Tuesday you got the Flash, Wednesday's Arrow and I mean, it just it, it keeps going, but like I said earlier, I mean, you just fall in love with them because it's so episodic and, and just captivating.
0: Oh, yeah. I've, I've, been a, I've long been a fan of The Flash. I love the old Silver Age Flash stories. Mm-hmm. They're just so much fun. And, again, it's just like here's these whippy, dippy, crazy, fast-paced ideas. They don't need to dwell on them too long, and then they're just off to the races with something else. And uh, I like that the TV show really preserves that spirit. I mean, they've got bigger stories going on, but just – Here's here's just something crazy. Let's just throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Uh, oh, that's, they're doing that's exciting so good to
1: too. They're doing so good with that. Well, let, all right. Let me ask you, movie buff to movie buff, what are some of your foundation staple favorite movies?
0: Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the the Universal Studios monsters movies because we were talking about that earlier. Boris Karloff, I love, and- love, love. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that stuff. I love the, the Bride of Frankenstein, to me, is the best of the whole bunch. Really? Uh, it's one of those. Yeah, I think that it's a sequel that is even better than the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the characters. It's it's weird. It's crazy. You've got Dr. Frankenstein actually has, like, another doctor with Dr. Pretorius, who's even crazier than he is. So, to me, that one's my favorite one of the of the bunch, but... I love The Creature in the Black Lagoon, The Mummy, Dracula. I love all of those movies.
1: Did you have to study Mary Shelley's Frankenstein while you were getting your degree?
0: Oh, yeah. I, I've taught it a couple times. Uh, it's, it's, I think it's a good book. I, I love doing it. And I was another thing that I like about uh, Bride of Frankenstein is they start with Mary Shelley writing it, and then Mary, the actress who plays Mary Shelley winds up being the Bride of Frankenstein. I thought that was kind of a cool little bookend to the movie.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because I wanted to to touch on that. That you you're, you're an actual teacher. You are a professor. Yes. Yep. Uh, where where are you? Where where do you profess at?
0: Well, I right now I have been well for the last five years. I was teaching full time at Davenport University, and they did some downsizing and they shut down a number of their campuses. So I'm still teaching there, but I'm teaching there part time. And I'm also teaching at Delta College and Saginaw Valley State University, so I'm kind of cobbling together stuff, and it takes a lot of hustle, and I'm running around from place to place. But the cool thing is, I get to meet a lot of really great students, uh, and sort of see the different flavors that the, the the different places in my area get to offer. So that's that's really cool. And it's, I, I, let me assure you, it's nothing <laughs> it's nothing personal to do with me. They let go a lot of faculty and staff, and they shut down four of their campuses across Michigan. So. Uh, it's not like, oh, well, let's kick this bum out. Uh, well, they probably were like that, Yo too. Yo, bum, get out that. of here! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they grab you by the seat of your pants? No, <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, uh, I I love doing that. I've taught at a lot of places all over Michigan. Uh, you know, I've taught at Michigan State. i taught at Kalamazoo College. Uh, and, you know, different places have different sort of cultures to them. And there's none of them that I like you know, hate or anything like that. Instead, it's really cool that I get to meet uh, these really cool students and get to work with cool people and uh, get to teach stuff that I really love teaching.
1: What are some of the key points that you try to teach to your students when it comes to creating your own thing?
0: Oh, first and foremost, anybody who does any kind of writing, this is a tip that I'm going to give for free to everybody listening. What I encourage everybody to do if you want to try to grab somebody's attention is create a story and and create an image so if you start that that's the best hook a lot of times students are like oh I want to start with a really cool quote or a definition to me that's not nearly as effective as hitting this ground running by saying I'm going to create this image and I'm going to tell this story for whatever you're writing whether it's creative or it's serious or it's academic you really want to start with that foundational story and image to get people involved because if you start telling somebody a story, like "Oh, my sister was driving down the highway, and it was really slick and icy. It was dark everywhere, and all of a sudden she saw a deer in front of her," you want to know what happens next, right? Right, You're right, right. Hook. I'm, I'm, I'm there. Come out. on, deliver. Don't leave me hanging. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So if people can do that in their writing, that gets their reader invested. And makes them want to finish it. Do you uh, want because, blue balls?
1: This is how you get blue balls. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly. That's a very vivid image that you've created there. Because, <laughs> um, uh, like I tell them, if you if people if people tune out at page two, there was no point writing beyond that.
1: <laughs> exactly. What uh? Well. Where do you kind of get your influences from? Because I mean, you're, you know, you're you're putting your creative forces out there. You're teaching. You're putting it into comics. Where does it all come from for you?
0: Oh, I you know I pull from all kinds of different places. Uh, if I'm going to say, uh, I'll just say one one major influence, and it's not going to surprise anybody because he's a luminary in the field. I really love the work of Alan Moore, mm-hmm. and in some ways, I want to try to do this, some of the stuff with these. Horror comics that he was doing with Swamp Thing, where he's taking this idea of a monster and really sort of pulling it apart and saying, what is a monster? What is, is it, is there a capacity to be a hero? Is there a capacity to influence, you know, the larger order of good and evil or the cosmos and stuff like that? And I love those comics. I love just about everything he's done. Um, I also in like the comic Wild Bullets, where I'm doing a bunch of pulp stuff. I'm really kind of riffing on some of the same stuff he did in Top Ten where all the different genres get to mix and characters come from all over the place and do wild and crazy stuff together. Right on.
1: Um, we're running out of time, unfortunately, so i, I got to kind of speed this up. Are you currently working on anything right now?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, the thing I want to say about, about Monsters before we wrap up yes, is go that right In ahead. January, in January to try to promote this, we are ha- we're going to have a Kickstarter to get the word out, get people so that they can get the books in their hands six months before they could buy it, uh, so they can get their they can get their, their hands on everything sooner. So look for the Kickstarter. We've also got that trailer that I said online. Uh, the website is monstrousworld.com, uh, and it's published by Sourcepoint Press. And Sourcepoint Press has got a lot of really great stuff. If people are interested in horror comics, such great got people too, everything man. Everything you could hope for. Oh yeah, really friendly, really cool. Uh, I just was hanging out with Travis McIntyre yesterday. I had pizza at his house and pizza <laughs> and beer. And if there's any way to win over my heart, that's it. <laughs> there you
1: go. Well, Josh Werner did the logo for this show.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And I, Josh was there as well. So this was this was quite the family affair. That uh, I got to see these guys. They were uh, shooting a trailer for an upcoming comic uh, by the name of Nora that uh, is going to be art Casey by Pierce. Sean Seal and. And Casey Pierce is the writer. Yep, exactly. So they were all together there doing that, and I was just, I guess, mooching the pizza and beer before they started shooting and <laughs> stuff.
1: Uh, what's funny, you mentioned Casey, because she's coming on the show next week. Uh, she It's going to be her. Uh, Erica Terez, we're going to do kind of a Star Wars special, so it's going to be very exciting could, right before the movie comes out.
0: That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, I, I feel like, what could I make you say to her that would be embarrassing, but I don't know. I'm, I'm a ball of embarrassment. Right <laughs> not on. Like, not like, ask her about this, you know. <laughs> Give me <her the> a
1: business. <laughs> well, real quick, what's your con schedule looking like next year?
0: Okay. the I'll the People want to hook up with me. I will be in February at Days of the Dead, the Days of the Dead Con, which is a horror convention, and it's taking place in Atlanta. I'm going to be doing zillions of these things uh source point press has been kind and generous enough to put me out to a number of different cons Uh, i love doing that i love meeting people come up talk to me mention this podcast and you're gonna get yourself a free awkward silence from me i don't know
1: (laughs) (laughs) fantastic greg thank you so much for coming on the show it was it was an honor to have you on sir you were a fantastic guest
0: Oh, I appreciate it. This was wonderful. This was a good time. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much, Jimmy.
1: Not a problem, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode. Once again, I'm your host, Jimmy McKnight. Follow us on Twitter at NinjaStarPod, Jimmy McKnight on the Facebooks. That's it for this week. That's a show.
0: This is a previously recorded episode.